Welcome to the Power Up Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Scullion. Join me for some powerful conversations with members of the Substation Design Solutions Industry Consortium, the SDSIC. I'll chat with members about the consortium, innovations, how they're implementing different technologies, even some of the projects they're working on to address the growing needs of our power grid. Today's guest is Sean Weekly, Digital Transformation Architect at Power Engineers. Sean is also one of the earliest members of the SDSIC, having helped us with many things through the years and most recently as co-chair of the new Innovative Solutions Committee. Thanks for joining me today, Sean. Thank you, Trey. So as you know, this whole podcast idea is really to introduce some of the real senior members of our team and uh, the SDSIC team. And I couldn't think of someone more senior. <laughs> There's only a few others Dang. that have uh, been part of the SDSIC as long as you have. So um, I'm really glad you're joining. And, uh, you know, try to kind of introduce different members to the entire community. So maybe we'll start off with a little bit of your background and your career. Sure. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the whole being super senior. Not that, <laughs> we'll go with it. Not in age. Not in age. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, let's see. Um, I am Sean Weekly. Uh, my career has mostly been in the technology field. Um, I started off writing code for different industries. Maybe uh, I think I'm rolling up on 23 years now as a software developer. Um, started off actually in the in the insurance realm and then went from insurance to uh, telecommunications and then radio ratings and uh, mm. I worked for AT&T and Bell South back in the day and, and then eventually landed in software in the utility companies uh, started off I was working for Southern Company in their billing group and then went from the billing group and went to into design and i thought that was a really fun leap for me because prior to writing software i used to be a civil surveyor and a drafter for a for a civil engineering company here in birmingham alabama Birch. oh wow i didn't know that yeah i used to swing uh, machetes through the brush and uh, <laughs> run from wild hogs in louisiana and did all kinds of fun things like that Got lots wow. of stories from that. Yeah. Um, but it was neat because, you know, as a drafter and a civil surveyor, I actually, I actually have a little bit of insight into the whole loop. As in, you know, here's these the drawings that get created, and here's how they get used in the field, and here's the information on the drawings that's important and what's not. Mm. Um, you know what the what the engineers and the people in the field use and what we put on the drawings and and what that translates into is a lot of potential opportunities certainly right. things have changed but they haven't changed that much especially <laughs> in the utility industry mm -hmm. we're probably you know a good decade behind aec industry here mm -hmm. but um yeah so software guy who used to do construction surveying and drafting. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that, man. I didn't know about the surveying and all. That. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that's um yeah, it's pretty good software guy. Yeah. So probably one of the best coders I've ever come across. So yeah, software guy. Nice. I don't know about that. Yeah. 
<laughs> Come on, man. We've broken a lot of things. <laughs> oh, well, there is that. You know, if, we're, if we count things I've broken, well, then I am, I am an expert elite there. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, man. So, um, you know, for a lot of the folks, say, new to the consortium and just starting to get involved and as we're trying to, you know, step up and get all of our almost 17, well, just over now, 1,700 members and trying to get them more involved. I thought it'd be fun to talk about your background and you got started so early with the SDSIC and where you first got, I'd say, roped in, right? And <laughs> into getting yeah. deeply involved. Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't a founding member. Uh, I was actually working at Southern Company and uh, a couple of my peers and uh, so John Thomas, I think, was one of the first, you know, presidents of the SDSIC. Yeah. Robert Stoves was actually my supervisor at the time. And I think y'all were working with Bob and and yeah. John creating the first website. And I think we talked about it. It was like WordPress or something like that. And it was kind of a That's hot right. and uh and and uh Bob Volland told me and said, Hey, you know, come help work on this website for the consortium. Ah, yeah. And, and that was got, <laughs> yeah. That looped into that and we tried to fix a few things and, and got some stuff working. I didn't really do much. I was just kind of monkey testing it at the time. Uh, but you know, that was I guess in the 2015 time frame, give or take. Okay. And uh, so Bob pulled me in there and then I got involved with the technology committee and wrote some white papers and some stuff that mm -hmm. they're probably still around. They might be on the old website or they might be templates out there, but yeah, we were specifically looking for, you know, we kind of started off looking in the technology organization around how do we leverage virtual machines and mm. a new hardware and licensing and, you know, what different products are required for, you know, this solution to work. And, you know, we, we kept in mind document management and in particular, how do we do document management with contractors? And we wrote a lot of papers there and we came up with some pretty novel ideas. And yeah, um, but I think over time, what we've, you know, technology's given us ways to solve those better. Mm -hmm. you know which is what tech is supposed to do and yeah. so we we tried to move the tech committee um, in the direction of how can we do things better and plan for the future so instead of just you know adopting whatever platforms we had and whatever tools we had how can we look ahead and pick and choose the right things to do for the right reasons and right. uh I started, I got picked as the tech committee chair in January of 2020, right before the, the mm -hmm. pandemic really settled in. And uh, <laughs> I ran the tech committee from 2020 of January to around December, January timeframe of 2022. And that's when I actually left the utility company and came to Power Engineers. Yeah, um, right. But, you know, my, my past and, and my experience specifically around software and solution architecture, a solution architecture, um, I think was maybe helpful for the tech committee at the time. Because, for sure. Because, you know, I just kind of, I thought I had a little bit different perspective, mm -hmm. especially from the, from a pure technology 
look in. Oh, for sure. I, you know, I'm, I kind of noticed on in the very early monthly calls, it went from, as you said, from reactive to proactive, I guess, with the conversations you were having in the technology committee. You, you started to look for the, you know, the newer versions of the newer tech that nobody was even looking at some of that stuff. So that was a nice change. So, hey, man, let's talk. Let's uh, let's give a shout out to Bob Stoves because Bob was uh, early on and, and yeah. uh, founding member and, and got got a lot of the committees, the technology committee spun up. And it's funny you bring up the website because, uh, you know, we, we were, you know, 16 people when we started. So like many small nonprofit, but, you know, we figured, hey, we'll just put up a website, 15 of us, you know, hey, WordPress will be fine. Yeah. good way to share documents and things and i think we had like 20 and it was not scalable already it was starting to fall apart on us but uh yeah bob roped you in i remember you helping us test and try to figure out what to do next on that side like early on trying to build a better website so and, and when you left uh southern company you went to power engineers yep and because of a charter change that was an excellent change that we did for the consortium Last year, we opened the opportunity for, you know, consulting firms and service providers to the utilities to become co-chairs, which was awesome. So you got roped back in again. Yeah. That, uh, I guess we can talk about that for a second. So especially for the tech committee and, and maybe for this innovation committee that I'm a co-chair of now, um, the audience changed. You know, it's one thing for, you know, you've got a physical design committee and you've got an electrical design committee and you've got business strategy. A lot of those committees are mostly populated by electrical engineers or physical, you know, design engineers and they're users of the products and tools. Mm -hmm. They, they speak to it from a user perspective and from a engineering perspective. And there's a lot of those in the utility industry, right? Right. Um, what there's a lack of is pure technology people in the utility industry. And maybe not a lack of it, but they just don't surface themselves a lot, right? Right. They, they just kind of, you know, their heads down coding at a desk and they don't get access to a lot of these consort these committees and stuff. True. And so it was difficult. It was challenging to find members uh, in, you know, they could, they could be in a leadership position in, in the consortium, because at the time you had to be an actual utility person, mm-hmm. be a chair and a co-chair. Right. And we lobbied for that and said, okay, well, you know, let's, let's change that some and get at least co-chairs to be vendors or contractors or, anything else that gives us access to a lot of the brain power that's floating around out there right. so that we can have fresh perspectives and again you know the rules don't change you, you still can't sell you still can't you know go out there and hawk your wares as a contractor you're still there to be helpful to the industry right. but let's at least get some you know other eyeballs out there and other other butts in seats right well and it's that, been a great change right yeah, yeah, it's been really good. And I think you'll see that I think probably the majority of the co-chairs are from vendor companies or from contract companies. Yeah. 
um, because that immediately opened the doors of like, well, heck yeah, you know, if I can, if I can have a voice at the table and get in here and, you know, provide my feedback and insight, then I'm all about it. And yeah. it's been really good. But the the cutting edge of that, the flip side of that is that I got pulled back in and now I'm the co-chair of the innovation <laughs> uh, committee, which I don't mind, but, you know. Yeah, but it's it's been really uh, some great perspectives because the contract firms and, and folks doing services for, you know, 10, 20, 30 different utilities have a completely different take on a lot of this stuff. Yeah. They need to be more flexible and adaptive to the technology. They need to configure it for each kind. You know, so they got a lot of different plays that they can bring to the table. So I think it's been great. Yeah, that that's that's a, a, a key important point right there is that the contract companies don't have a single set of standards to right. offer. Right. <laughs> Right. You know, and and let me let me define standards here, you know, because standards in a lot of places means, you know, my design standards or my engineering standards and the standards I'm talking about are process standards and CAD standards and mm. configuration standards and what standard tools do I use and things like that. So mm -hmm. there's an important distinction there between what standards mean and contract companies have to deal with all of them. You know, right. because, you know, if you're working for utility X or Y or Z or Q or, you know, beta or whatever, every utility company does things differently, which we'll talk about later in, you know, what yeah. potentially some of our biggest challenges are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good perspective to have because you can't just land on one thing and say, this is the way I do it. Right. Right. And it's been, you know, it's been very helpful even on the vendor side of things or the, you know, with Autodesk and Bentley and the SBS, like having a different perspective of, of being able to look at multiple ways that we have to implement these things. It's not just to come up with one standard and you know, expect us to put that into the software. Yeah. So the big difference. So, so now at power, uh, you're one of those people now that's bringing that perspective of how you deal with all the different standards from all the different utilities. And, and I think you're, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a digital transformation effort on your part. Yes. Uh, my, my current title is digital transformation architect. All right. I think that actually translates into cat herder in my <laughs> movies. Uh, well said. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, the gingers, they're not very smart, but the domestic short hairs, they climb. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, I think we could do a different podcast just than that. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what, what's, what's interesting is, is that, you know, I always had it in my head that we tend to start our digital transformation efforts with, you know, this is the way we do things, you know. And you start with, with this perception of, you know, what, you know, hmm. and what I've seen over the years is that we don't know half of what we, we know, and we don't know what we don't know. Beautiful. Um, so what we have to do in a lot of cases and, and where the effort comes in is just figuring out what all we do mm -hmm. across all of our clients and across all of our users. And I, 
and I think people are surprised about the just the action, the just the breadth and width and depth mm. of technology efforts that are going on to make the day to day job easier. You know, people people want to get things done faster and better yeah. and cheaper, and technologies are available for them. You know, unfortunately, we install like Excel and Access on people's machines. <laughs> at the utility companies and say you know here's this hammer and the screwdriver and they're like oh all right i'm gonna get the crap out of something and they do man i've seen some i've seen some awesome spreadsheets that oh. do crazy stuff yeah and uh and you know that's great you know you you solved a problem but that might not have been the best way to do it right because right. you've got this one Excel spreadsheet that you got to hand out and keep track of and send <laughs> out to different people. And, and, you know, you send it to Susan and she's got a copy and you send it to Frank and he's got a copy and Susan sees a better way to do it. And she tweaks the spreadsheet, and, but mm. Frank doesn't have those changes because he doesn't have Susan's. He's got, you know, Jim's and <laughs> it's just a hot mess. And, yeah. And yep. so you know, digital transformation in a lot of ways is, you know, go get three, go get all three copies of that spreadsheet and pick and choose which ones solve the most problem mm -hmm. and then create a better tool in one place right. that people can do something with mm -hmm. and that you can't corrupt. Right. Because, because that's, that's the challenge is how do you stop people from being innovative because you need those people to be innovative and to come up with good solutions mm -hmm. but you know you don't want to stop them from doing that but you want to stop the technical debt it's a constant bleed mm. that you know and and you got to stop the technical debt because people like me or you know your operations it people with technology stuff that's like having a baby you know, or, or getting a puppy mm. that that's, there's no end to that project. It's not like a design project where you're done, you design, you give somebody a bunch of drawings and you say, here you go. And you go on to the next project and you forget about those drawings mm. until, you know, the next revision or something like that. Right. With, with technology stuff, you maintain it, you care for it, you feed it, you, you grow it, you, you know, buy it a car and you send it off to college and, you know, right. it's, it's there forever. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a thousand of these things, you've got a thousand kids to take care of. Right. And nobody can take care of a thousand kids. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, you know, I've been doing like tech consulting for 30 years and I've just, I could count how many companies I've been to and they point to that that one computer over in the corner of the room that's yeah. got an old mouse pad on it. And they, <laughs> and they say, Oh no, that runs all of our, you know, whatever, some solution that they can't get rid of it. They can't update it and they can't replace it. <laughs> funny, funny story. Uh, funny, funny. Now it was a horror story for me. Uh, <laughs> you know, at the utility that I was at, we had a document management system, custom built written in Perl, written mm -hmm. on Solaris. <laughs> And uh, the primary servers that ran that, that system were Solaris machines that were 486 mm. processors, right? These were 486 
megahertz CPUs with two gigs of RAM. Wow. Uh, and, you know, they just stack disks and things. Yeah. So, you know, I had a couple of terabytes of storage, but, you know, and, and they were so old, you can't buy parts for them anymore. So we had to go, you know, we were actually scouring eBay <laughs> trying to find parts to replace these things when, when they died. Yeah. <laughs> And and they died a lot. So, you know, I mean, this still happens. And this, you know, this was less than a decade ago. This was like, you know, five, six years ago. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I got a, a job here at Power was because we took that utility and, and we transformed them to a new digital platform. And yeah. I mean, you know, there's obviously, you know, I can't say that it was perfect, but it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it solves a lot of the problems and didn't take away any functionality. And, you know, that's another part of digital transformation is, is that you identify all these tools, whether they're old, you know, new, borrowed, blue, whatever, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. And you figure out what parts work and what parts solve problems. And for the love, you don't take that away from people. You know, yeah. you, you let them still solve their problems. You just take the edges off of it and make it easier to maintain. Right. Know? Yeah. You put, you know, lipstick on the pig and, and shine <laughs> it up and, and do something better with it. But, you yeah. know, you don't, you don't just execute the pig. <laughs> well, it's funny because the, you know, like, I mean, the spreadsheet itself, like it's such a good prototyping tool for. Yeah you know, calculations and trying some things out, but this wasn't meant to be shared on mass and have it as like the standard. <laughs> yeah. That, that is the way, man. That That's, you know, I have seen spreadsheets that just tax the limit of what it can do. <laughs> and you get formulas that are, you know, so long that you, you just don't understand how it all works. And yeah. Oh yeah. That's the that, nightmares with that. Right. I mean, it's kind of made me hate spreadsheets, to be honest. But, <laughs> but, 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 but they're a great tool. You know, they solve a problem. And, you know, we just need to, you know, we, we, need, to, we need to have better tools. We need to transform into something better. Right. We need to quit using screw hammers. And, you know, <laughs> we need to, you know, we need to figure out what the right tool is. Yeah. Well, I've, I've had like, I mean, I've had people supply, you know, spreadsheets and you get an engineer to give you some very specific calculations and it's only one sheet you know <laughs> it's not yeah. the 15 you got to trace but it's one with some comments and it's an easy way to follow it through if you're trying to code something so that that part's helpful but then after that you know it needs to stop <laughs> yeah <laughs> love it needs to stop please yeah. well you know one of the and I, I really regret that I, I forget who I read this from but I read this uh, quote it's a great quote saying we're we're facing the silver tsunami, which means all of the folks retiring, mm -hmm. it's like this big tsunami coming at us soon, right? And it's just, you think of all those spreadsheets that are sitting out there, like we need to capture that stuff before the folks yeah. retire. We can't get them back because we've gone fishing and they don't want to come back. <laughs> you know, yep. it seems like there's that digital transformation part. Boy, it's, uh, yeah, I think we got some work in front of us. Yeah, there's even companies out there right now that are trying to capitalize on that, right? I can think of one in particular. Uh, it's called Calptree, I think. And, hmm. uh, 
you know, I think their, their mindset is, Hey, all these people, you know, all these billion spreadsheets out there with all these, these calculations in it, you know, maybe go out here and put your calculations in this platform so that mm. people can, can have them and use them and maybe even share them. Um, yeah. Smart. You know, it's, it's, it's a good business model because yeah, you've got, there's so much, you know, knowledge that's mm -hmm. wrapped up in, in this stuff that, and people are getting ready to retire yeah. and, and they, you know, if they're sitting on a beach in Aruba or somewhere and you call them up and say, Hey, how's this spreadsheet works? They're going to, they're going to tell you to kick rocks. <laughs> yeah. Or they'll come back at a different rate. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, but it's going to cost you. <laughs> yeah. So you want to talk about maybe uh, some of the bigger challenges that you're facing in the industry now that you're, Going all these different utilities and talking to all these different folks. Well, we've talked about a few of them already, but I think I think probably one I can talk about here for sure is that there is a perception that we are different, and the reality of it is, is I think we are probably a lot more similar than we think. Mm. You know, there, there, and when I say that, I'm talking about you know the way we design. A substation or the way right. we design and create a transmission line or uh, you know a utility network uh, in GIS or you know you name it mm -hmm. everybody assumes that they're different and they're not hmm. you know you you can distill down to a very common problem statement for all of those things and you mm -hmm. can distill down to a really fairly small subset of tools that will solve that problem. And I think that one of the challenges is, is making people understand that because if we could make people understand that we're really doing things the same way, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're all boiling water, right? Or, you know, using a, you know, using a dam to turn a turbine or steam to turn a turbine mm -hmm. and we're putting that, you know, through some equipment, putting it on lines and getting it to my toaster, you know, right. That's obviously a, you know, a really deep simplification because sure. it's a complex machine, but, <laughs> but it's not, you know, mm -hmm. and, and if you can distill it down to that, I think you could come up with some really novel solutions that cut across the whole industry and not just substation, not just lines and not just distribution and not just, you know, I'm now I'm working in power, right? So, you know, we don't just do electrical stuff. We do facilities and we do environmental stuff and, mm. and we're still doing the same thing. So, right. you know, one solution shouldn't just be for, you know, substation. It should be mm. for the electrical industry or the mm. utility industry, or maybe even the construction industry. Right. I, I, think, I think if we can make people understand that, I think we'll see some changes. Yeah, that's great. That you know, that, that's a great reason for the SDSIC in general is yeah. having them all having you know, conversations amongst. I mean, when you go to the meetings, you see 10, 12 utilities all talking about, you know, hey, I have that problem too. Yeah. Yep. Very common when you start digging. Yeah. It's <laughs> far more common than people give you credit for. Right. Well, I remember uh I remember reading a story with, I think it was the Department of Transportation. And, you know, like you said, if you back out far enough and really take a look at the overall problem, it's a pretty simple, 
problem and talking about traffic and they said, well, traffic's not a, you know, it's a problem that can't be solved with two dimensions. It'd be the third. You either go up or down. It's too expensive to go up. So like Elon Musk's doing boring underground. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's an oversimplification of the whole traffic thing. But boy, when you think about it, it's like, damn, that's pretty bang on. Yeah. I mean, in, you know, in reality, I, I read this some time ago. Um, I think it read it in the context of agile programming. Mm. That if you look at every problem, you know, with the idea that 90% of them can be solved with ridiculous simplicity, <laughs> that the, the time that you save by doing that will give you all the time you need to solve that extra 10%. Mm. That simple. <laughs> nice you know it they're simple problems and we tend to aggregate them into one big gnarly you know ball mm. of wax but just distill it down they're right. simple problems turn the nut turn on mm. the computer you know right do the small things and then you do you take one bite of the elephant you start at your toe you work your way up yeah, that's your coding background, man. Yeah. It's, if we had to realize how much we had to code, we wouldn't even turn the computer on. <laughs> yeah, for real. But, you know, you just get out there and you start with Hello World and you work your way into it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so you want to you touch on some of the kind of where you think technology is coming around electric grid and over the next couple of years? I won't say decade. Let's just do a couple of years. I, I, think, I think first off, we need to try to catch up to the AEC industry. I think we're, mm. I think we're about, I, I honestly think we're, you know, at least five, maybe 10 years behind the AEC. Ah, good point. And I think, and I think probably the biggest reason for that is that, and maybe this is controversial, but we don't have a unified data taxonomy, a unified data scheme. Um, mm. If we really look at the AEC industry, you know, they they landed on Revit as right. their tool du jour. Mm -hmm. But if you think about what Revit does, Revit is built on top of a common data taxonomy or common mm -hmm. data scheme, the IFC classes, right. foundation classes. Mm -hmm. And everybody does it that way, right? Walls right. are walls and floors are floors and windows are windows and doors are doors, mm -hmm. you know? The, the this is everybody understands that and knows that and because they have that common data platform they can tweak the software to solve the problems because they're not trying to figure out what the hell a door is right <laughs> you know yeah and we can do the exact same thing in the utility industry and as a matter of fact we already have a common data taxonomy defined for us and nice. it's an IEC schema it's called IEC 61970, the Common Information Model. Okay. And it's been out there for a long time. Hmm. It's a maintained, used data standard. Now, it's uh, data standard is kind of a, it's kind of maybe not the right word for SIM. SIM is more of a, of a, uh, well, what it boils down to is actually a UML model that defines every piece of equipment in the electrical electrical world oh, from wires okay. to transformers to switches to hmm. everything the whole nine yards it's so like like a unified modeling language but for yep electrical 
unified modeling language for electrical and and it has a defined XML schema for that UML model. And nice. that's what's important because <laughs> if it's XML, that's text. That's a machine, you know, that's a machine readable language. Yeah. And because that's machine readable, it was designed specifically for ADMS systems and, you know, energy management systems and stuff. Okay. To move, you know, data between these disparate systems, you know. Mm. Vendor one creates this system for ADMS and it can't speak, you know, whatever language that vendor two does, mm -hmm. but they got to talk because we got them both installed at utility Y. So let's convert the data to a machine readable format, XML, and then let those two vendors fight it out. But right. really what the vendors are doing is just converting from that common format. Mm. If we could standardize on SIM, we can kick butt, you wow. know? Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and that would solve so many problems. Right. And the thing about it is, is it's, it's already out there. It's a well-documented, you know, IEC standard. It's really just making people see it and understand it. And they say, oh, okay, I get it. Wow. Get it. Wow. It sounds like we need a round table just on that in Nashville. Um, I, I actually did present that as a potential speaking point maybe for maybe as a joint thing in innovation and business yeah perfect maybe we can yak about it for a bit no that sounds great yeah no i mean that i mean I asked you about challenges i mean that would solve <laughs> that would solve a lot of them right because mm -hmm. i mean because right now if you think about what we do you know inventor doesn't speak autocad electrical and autodesk doesn't speak bentley and right. Uh, you know, Vault doesn't speak project-wise and, and yeah. you know, uh, I don't know, all the ERP systems, right? SAP <laughs> yeah. speak Oracle and, yeah. you know, all the ADMS systems and GIS. And you throw all that stuff in and all of them speak different languages. We're talking different countries around the world. Mm. And there's no common communication mechanism between them. Right. Except there is. It's called mm. SIM. We could be using it tomorrow. Wow, and XML, I mean, just transform it with a style sheet into any format you want. Right. And the cool thing about SIM, and this is this is what people don't understand about XML, you just brought it up. The SIM standard actually has models in it for drawings and documents hmm. and lines and points. Oh, wow. So you could actually save down a drawing as a collection of points and lines and geometry. Nice. It's XML. <laughs> and then take it out and, and recreate the drawing. So if you think about, you know, hey, I started this off as an inventor drawing and I need it to be a Revit drawing. Let's export it down as XML and then turn it into a Revit drawing. <laughs> Is that what I'm cooking here? Oh man, that's beautiful. Yeah. And then we could we could just overlay all that data on top of the real world with yeah. AR and, and get rid and of drawings. Is, yeah. And, <laughs> and that's the point, right? Is overlay the data. Yeah. We, we take the points and lines that define the geometry of a transformer, but mm. the operating characteristics of that transformer, that's literally just text. That's its high side, you know, high voltage, low voltage, you know, temperatures, yeah. oil capacity, stuff like that. That's, that doesn't technically go on a drawing. It doesn't need to, right? But nah. it's important for operation. It's important oh, for maintenance. And yeah, every even... bit of that can be stored in one single XML file. Now, obviously, it's going to start getting big. That's XML. 
Yeah, that's pretty easy. Parse it up. You think you could you do IoT device and all that kind yeah, of stuff? All there? of it. It's all in there, bro. It's mm. every bit of it's all in there. Wow. I love it. Well, let's make sure we uh, get our live event in Nashville and get a whole room full of folks together. Yeah. Maybe we should get t-shirts made and start spreading the word. Yeah. <laughs> Sim is the reason for this. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll Sim is the we need, reason. Yeah. We need a, we need a, we need a avatar. Uh, yeah. Well, dude, we'll do that. Uh, how about the, uh, you know, got milk question mark? Got yeah. Sim? Got Sim. <laughs> That'd be weird, though. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah, someone will make something <laughs> weird out of that. <laughs> All right, man. So one of the great points you brought up is the you having a technology person's perspective in our industry and being, you know, someone like yourself is hard to come by in our engineering and design world. So, you know, what kind of advice? Do you have any advice for aspiring tech guys out there that might want to come into our industry? Yeah. Get on in here. Quit that sissy. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That there is more opportunity for software and creating software and creating solutions in this industry than people even understand. Ah, this there is you go. a target rich environment. And you know, what we end up having today is we have people who, you know, they come out of college or, the, or they're engineers and you know, they already have this engineering mindset, this problem solving mindset. And they learn programming while they're in here, but they, mm -hmm. they learn programming from, you know, from a different perspective. Right. And I'm not saying that these, a lot of these guys are really good coders and developers, but some of them, you know, they're, they're writing code or they're writing a feature or they're writing a spreadsheet to solve a problem. Hmm. And they're not applying software development concepts to it or, right. You say, hey, did you, you know, <laughs> you wrote this in Python. Did you put it in, in source control? What source control? Right. Uh, you know, they, they don't understand those low-level fundamentals that a software person does. Right. And we need those perspectives. And we mm -hmm. need people to come in here because these are really interesting and challenging problems. There's really deep technical stuff going on here. Right. And you can touch so many different, you know, it's not just a, a .NET or a JavaScript or a Python or, you know, you can use all of them. And then some Lisp and, you know, Lisp is still being used in AutoCAD. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I wished it wasn't. But, <laughs> still there. But it's still there, you know, and yeah. I'm still maintaining stuff within Lisp. And, Don't touch that machine in the corner. It has a lot of Lisp on it. <laughs> yeah, that's where it's all at. Like... <laughs> And Lisp is a great language, you know, don't get me wrong. It's great. It the parentheses. Oh, mm. <laughs> counting parentheses. Yeah. And work out instead of in. No. <laughs> brain doesn't work that way. No. Uh, yeah. But, but it's just, you, you can't swing a stick without hitting an opportunity here. And, and th there's just so much and so many places that a good programmer in literally any language can plug in their software you know, SaaS platforms written specifically to solve engineering problems. Mm -hmm. And you're going to write JavaScript to call into APIs and then use this stuff and, and, you know, take these drawings and documents and apply this metadata to it and transform them into whole different things. And it's just, it's just huge. 
people don't even understand how much work is available here for us. Yeah, that's that's great advice, and you know that's the reason for this podcast, man, to get that message out there and attract some of that talent. Because I, you know, when I look at our industry, I, I think of all the cool things with AI and machine learning and everything. We have so much data. Like, yeah, this this isn't you know this isn't I mean Facebook anything. I mean it's not twenty years old. This is eighty hundred years of data out there. <laughs> yeah, that's just what exists now. And then you know you're throwing in the real time sensors and the IoT stuff and all that. And, yeah. You know, condition-based maintenance and analysis there and opportunities for, hey, you know, you, you know, you put a temperature sensor on a transformer and you start seeing it trend up and you don't know if it's, mm. hey, you know, my my sensor's bad or, you know, my cooling's off or maybe there's just a big giant wasp nest in the radiator that's stopping the fan from turning or something like that, you know. Yeah. But but that data, that's, you know, what, every every 30 seconds or every... 10 seconds, it's taking a reading of a temperature right. across all the transformers in my in my grid. Mm-hmm. That's an enormous amount of data. And right. all those people who, you know, really love data analytics, mm-hmm. we got more than you can eat. <laughs> Get one in here. Quit that sissy. Let's do well, it. Well, you think like in an ever-changing world that is software development or at least web coding out there, AI machine learning well even the ar and vr and all this stuff that's going on like, this industry isn't going anywhere you know, spending the time to be involved here then you're pretty much going to be guaranteed employment you're not going to be uh, looking around for the, the yeah, next mean, startup if you want to keep microwaving burritos and watching netflix uh you know, <laughs> power is going to be necessary <laughs> you know, yeah it, there you go it affects you know that's that's what's interesting you know, is that this affects me, you know, I can, you know, you can write solutions that affect you. Maybe Mm -hmm. it makes your power bill cheaper. Maybe it makes, you know, maybe it makes it, uh, you know, a shorter period of time when your power goes out, all that, you know, there, there are things you can do in this industry that have direct effect to you and your grandma and, you know, your auntie that, Mm -hmm. Everybody's affected by electricity. Yeah, so true. So true. Well, and being able to, you know, write applications that can help overcome the storms and everything, right? We've yep. seen everything across North America these days. Yep. There you go. That's great advice. Hopefully this will lure some folks in, Sean. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> well, that was a great conversation, Sean. I really appreciate you joining me. I know you're I know you're swamped at work and a lot going on, but I appreciate it. No problem, man. Especially if I can, especially if I can talk shop and get people interested and get some more help in here. That, that's, that's what it's all about. That's great, man. I think that, you know, hopefully that'll lure some folks in and we'll get this up on uh, LinkedIn and share it around with some of the career hashtags. Maybe that'll work. Yeah. Yeah. Career hashtags. Uh, you can always hit me up at LinkedIn. Uh, I try to keep at least some relevant communication out there. Uh, some of it's just, you know, cat pictures. <laughs> burritos and netflix burritos and netflix okay. but it's all relevant right it's all powered by electricity there you go next time you plug something in think yep. about the uh, industry like this that's it that's it because yeah. it's, it's actually relevant it's important awesome hey thanks a lot for your time sean yes sir man y'all take all care right. all right buddy 
Thank you for listening to the Power Up Podcast today. If you enjoyed this conversation and you're not yet a member of the SDSIC, join for free at sdsconsortium.com. Be part of the community and all these great conversations. And maybe you'll be the next guest on the Power Up Podcast.